Today's scripture is from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. I'll give you a minute to get your Bibles open. Acts 2, 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day they, those who were being saved. God, may God bless the reading of his word. I'd like to invite Pastor Jeff here to share on today's sermon. Good morning. It is so good to worship with you this morning. How many of you have changed jobs in the past two and a half years? Some of us have been calling it the great resignation. You know, millions of people handing in their two-week notice as they maybe relocated, maybe as they reconsidered work-life balances, or fully remote options, or return to work policies, or maybe they just switched jobs uh, within, but stayed within the same industry. And a similar thing has been happening too to churches throughout this pandemic, because churches aren't immune either. We've called it, instead of the great resignation, the great reshuffling, and that's because you have pastors and staff and church leaders and even members who are relocating or switching churches or just moving. You know, the pandemic propelled us towards a lot of life changes. Maybe some of you have felt that over the past two and a half years. Career shifts, new relationships, uh, relocation, and some of it might have been out of necessity, and some of it might have just been out of new priorities. Across the country, you know, we've seen that a lot of churches have been affected. Church attendance has declined, and maybe you still have some people attending, but maybe they don't attend every week now. And at the same time, there's also been a great reshuffling as people took the opportunity to, uh, during this pandemic, to explore what's out there, to explore new congregations and new churches. And I had a friend share with me, he's kind of joking too, uh, just recounting this experience, that during the pandemic, when a lot of churches were still meeting online, he decided to go check out another church online. And then he decided to go to the newcomer Zoom meeting. And then there he finds another member of his current church. And it was just super awkward and also kind of funny. And, and I make this, like I mentioned this, not to make a, you know, a value statement about whether this is good or bad. I think it's an extremely complex issue, right, with a lot of factors, a lot of different people with different situations. And it's also really early right now to tell you know, what the effects of this great reshuffling will do to the, on the state of the church long term. But I mention it because it has happened and it is happening and so for us, as one of those churches and one of those congregations, we have to ask ourselves, how do we prepare to receive these people who are trying to find their people, who are coming to Crossbridge for the first time in this very, very strange season? 
And today we're finishing our sermon series, This Is Us, Discovering Our Crossbridge DNA, and we've been preaching through it the past two months, since the start of September. The first sermon of this series, if you might remember, we called Framing Our Future. And so we introduced the different parts of our DNA that make up who we are and, and what we do as Crossbridge. And that, in that sermon, if you might remember, I mentioned that you know, there's some of us who have been part of CBCGB and Crossbridge for a very long time. And then there are some, even that morning, who are still new or consider themselves new, maybe attending for a few months, maybe they just moved into the area, you know, still getting to know our church and our people. And maybe there was a few people that morning that were there for the first time. That's to say that there were and there are maybe some of you this morning that are part of that great reshuffling, who are trying to find your people, find a church to settle in, to commit to, to, to grow and find this community. And I extended an invitation that morning to, to those people who are particularly new to hang with us for a few weeks, to see if this you know, CBDNA thing was something that they or you could appreciate or, or want to be a part of too. And so what we've done is over the course of two months, we've gone from framing our future to this morning's message, which is finding your people. And what we're going to be doing this morning is we're going to be introducing the final side of our vision frame that we've been constructing the, the past two months and exploring this idea of like finding your people, finding your church, finding this community of, of fellow believers to grow in, to settle in, to commit to. But in order to do that this morning, let's look to Scripture like we do every week. And let's look at some of the examples that we see in Scripture of the church and of the early Christians of God's people. In Acts 2, 42 to 47, we're presented with this picture of the early church. And what we see there is that the essential life of the church is a life together. Luke describes for us four things that the church does. So verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching uh, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Meaning that we as a church, the local church, we, we gather around God's word to hear from him. We share our lives, not just on Sunday, but throughout the week. We share meals, particularly Luke is talking about communion. That's what the church does. This is what this body of believers does when we gather together. We celebrate communion. We remember Christ's death and his resurrection, and we pray together. A few weeks ago, as we were introduced to our core value of being scripture-driven, I had mentioned the State of the Bible report that was put out by American Bible Society. And their director of ministry intelligence, John Plake, I probably mentioned this quote in a prior sermon before, had this to say, that to increase scripture engagement, they found, we must increase relational connections with one another through the church. The pandemic and now this survey have shown that when relational engagement goes up, so does scripture engagement. But when it goes down, scripture engagement drops with it. And I think that's an, that's an interesting connection that they're drawing. If we were to con con contextualize it, apply it to our situation, maybe what we would find is that there's some potential synergy happening between our core value of Scripture-driven and our core value of better together. 
Right? When we're collaborating together to accomplish God's mission, it also drives us to look to Scripture together to know God, to navigate the demands of everyday life. And it's, it's something I think we see here in Acts too, right? That the early church, they didn't just gather around God's word. They shared life together. They prayed together. They remembered and celebrated Jesus Christ together. The essential life of the church is a life together. But let's be clear on what that actually means. Because I think oftentimes when we feel lonely, when we are seeking a place for belonging, we're gathering just for the sake of gathering. But the church is, is, provides community, but it's not the sole and only and ultimate goal. Back around 2013, there were several atheist churches that started popping up. I think I mentioned this in a sermon last year or something like that. But an atheist church is basically this gathering of non-believers who wanted everything the church offered except for Jesus. And so instead of singing Hillsong, they sang Queen. Instead of listening to a sermon or a message, they listened to a motivational speech or they listened to some expert sharing about the origins of antimatter theory. And what they wanted was community and fellowship. And so they try to imitate what a church does with all the rituals, the singing and the listening to messages, but they try to excise God from that. They desired the life together that was the essential life of the church, but they wanted a church without Christ. And so fast forward a few years, what happens? There's another article that was put out by The Atlantic. They give an update on, on a lot of these churches, these atheist churches, right? And what they say is that these secular churches rethink their sales pitch. Secular organizers started their own congregation, but to succeed, they need to do a better job of imitating religion. Right, because they sang songs, they tried to do offering, they tried to uh, have meals together and do all these things, but without Christ as a unifying central component, well, without this relationship, it would started to fall apart. The point was, as the article states, building adorable community of non-believers, it turns out, is more complicated than just excising God. If the sudden emergence of secular communities speaks to a desire for human connection and a deeper sense of meaning, their subsequent decline shows the difficulty of making people feel part of something bigger than themselves. One thing has become clear, that the yearning for belonging is not enough in itself to create a sense of home. The yearning for belonging is not enough in itself to create a sense of home. I think that's profoundly relevant for us as we consider our mission to bridge cultures to build a family in Christ, right? We're not just building a family. We're not, not just gathering together. We are building a family, this family, in Christ. So the article found that when the point of being there was simply just being there together, it wasn't enough. Again, this is important for us, Crossbridge, to remember, or we're going to fall into the same trap of simply trying to get together just to get together. Remember this quote from Christopher Wright in our first Framing the uh, the Future message. 
He said that certainly the mission of God is the prior reality out of which flows any mission that we get involved in. Or as has been nicely put, it is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made uh, for the church, but the church was made for mission. We, Crossbridge, we're made for mission, God's mission. And so we, as a church, are to do two things, right? We're to declare the gospel and to demonstrate it. We, are the, as a church, are to be both a sign and an instrument of God's mission. This is bigger than you and me. We are to do God's mission, but also we're to be the church, right? We're not just to do churchy things, like sign up to volunteer this thing or to give our time or to give offering or whatever it might be. But we're also to be the church together, to be Christ for the world through our faith and our life together. And then we look at the early church in Acts again. What we see is that the essential life of the church also made for an effective witness. It drew people in. It pointed people to Christ. Let's look at some of their responses, right? There was fear. In, in verse 43, the translation is, is awe. The literal word is fear, but it, it means awe, right? Awe-inspiring. Because people are looking at the church and, and realizing, what is going on here? Something amazing, something marvelous is happening with this community of believers. There was favor, too. The early church was having favor with all the people, people who believed and people who didn't believe too. That's to say that you know, people who didn't ascribe to what we believe in saw this church and respected it. They respected the church. Even if they didn't believe in the same beliefs about Jesus and God and whatever. Not only that, there was also faith. Not just Fear and favor, but faith too, that there was God-given growth as more and more people came to faith. And as we look to Scripture, we look at these early Christians, look at this early church, there was growth, there was engagement, there was people finding their people among God's people, not just in larger gatherings, but in smaller gatherings too, in smaller pairs. I mean, we could just rewind a little bit and look at Jesus. Jesus is a great example. He, he taught. And he interacted with this crowd. And he had many, many disciples. You know, he had this big circle. But he also had this middle circle of his 12 apostles. His 12 disciples who he spent his life with and shared his life with and taught them and sent them out to go and preach the gospel. And even among the 12, he had a smaller circle. An inner circle of Peter James and John, right? These three individuals who were there to witness Jesus' greatest moments of glory, like his transfiguration, and they were there also to witness his darkest trials. They were there as Jesus pulled them aside as he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. We look to Paul, too, and Paul takes on Timothy, and he brings him along as he travels throughout the cities, and he disciples him, and he spends time with him, and he teaches them, and he later writes to Timothy, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. And so in these 
smaller groups of two or three, there's a lot of iron, sharpening iron. There's a lot of imitating going on. As people look to Jesus, they look to Paul. And they say that discipleship is caught, not taught. But that means that, you know, if we want to grow, we want to mature as believers, we'll get some of that by sitting in a Sunday school classroom, utilizing rote menu, memory. And I'm not saying that that's bad. Actually, I want to encourage you to, to, to come, right? But, but if we want to continue to grow, if you really want to catch what it means to follow Jesus, we look to those older examples of people in our life, older brothers and sisters in Christ, your counselors, older couples, older people, brothers and sisters, who, are, who we see them learning, we see them serving, we see them struggling, we see them counting the cost. Paul, throughout his letters, frequently calls on his readers to to imitate him as he imitates Christ. You know, we, we learn by imitating, especially when we're young, right? When we're, whether we're, we're young in faith or we're just young. And when I'm trying to teach my son how to throw a ball, I don't sit him down and lecture him on the mechanics of an overhand throw. He's not going to get that. No, I, I show him by throwing a ball to him, even if it hits him in the face, and then he'll definitely remember, and then he'll try to imitate that and throw it right back into my face. You know, when Yin and I are trying to teach him how to communicate, and we're trying to teach him sign language, right? We, we show these sign languages to him. We have to show it to him first so that he can replicate that. We go, like, Apple, right? Please, thank you. And then he sees that. He tries to imitate us. That's how he learns. And that's how we learn too in our walk with God. So we've seen pictures and examples in the church. of The types of relationships that they have in these larger gatherings and in these smaller pairs. And all of this really is leading to our last side of this vision frame that we've been constructing, what we'll call the map. Maybe over the past few weeks, as you've been kind of listening to some of these messages, talking to other individuals, sharing life together, maybe you hear about our mission, our values, and you're like, I can get with that. I'm open to that. I'm receptive. And, you know, you can appreciate it. Maybe you still have questions, and that's totally fine. Maybe you recognize, hey, this is going to be hard. This is a lot easier said than done, and I'm with you there. But some of you might be thinking, you know, know, I want to find my people. I want to find a place for me to worship, a place for me to commit to, to serve, to grow in my walk with God in community together. And I I want to commit to this church, this congregation. And I I want to be a part of what God might be doing, is going to do through Crossbridge. Maybe some of you have been on, on the fringe, on the edges, you're just kind of finding your way, your way back. You've been here a while, and maybe now it's not so much, you know, I want to commit, but I want to recommit. I want to double down here. And so there may be a question or some questions that come up for us as newcomers or as people who are still trying to find our way, find our people, get plugged in. Where do I go? What do I do next? How do I know what ministry or what group 
to be involved in. This is the point where there's a part of me that would love to show you this massive org chart that are created of all our ministries with categories and lines and names and color coding and be like, oh, there's this worship ministry that you could be a part of. There's a whole list of small groups that you could do. Like there's a group that meets there and the group that meets on this day and that day. And there's marriage mentoring too that you could be a part of. And there's, there's so many things that you could do like social concerns and Sunday school. But then I just end up like this guy. And so what I realized was I have to die to self. And what we have instead is not this massive org chart. Maybe that's for internal purposes. Not this massive org chart that's going to just overwhelm you, especially newcomers, much less, you know, people here. But, but just a map. A map that, that kind of answers the question, well, how are we, if this is our mission of bridging cultures to build a family in Christ, like how are we going to do it? Where is this going to happen? You know, think of a mall directory, right? When you enter, it's practically a new mall. Right, maybe not the Burlington Mall, because most of us know where some of the stores are, but maybe a new mall. A mall directory helps us to make sense of, you know, how am I going to enter into this place? Where am I going to enter from? Where, I'm gonna, where am I going to go? The map is like a, a flashlight that shows, particularly new people, clear next steps. But it also, at the same time, sets the expectation of involvement for all of us. Whether we've been here one day, one morning, or 10 years, 20 years, where am I going to go? How am I going to get involved? If our mission is to bridge cultures to build a family in Christ, where do I start? I like what Andy Stanley says. He says, when everyone is sitting in rows, you can't do any one another's. The Bible is filled with commands to uh, love one another, to serve one another, to humble ourselves before one another. It's hard to do that in rows. He says, we learn in rows, but we grow in circles. That The church doesn't happen in rows, but it happens in circles. And there's different size circles, right? We were just looking at Jesus who, who taught in a crowd. He also had many, many disciples. It's a big circle. But he also had this middle circle of 12 disciples who he met regularly with, who he shared more with, and he shared life with, and he taught. And then he had this inner circle, right? This small circle of Peter, James, and John. So this morning, what I've done is I've asked a few volunteers to come up on stage, uh, and I'm going to ask them to come up now. So if you got a message from me, come now. This is some random dance that they're going to break out. But I'm going to ask them to, to form a large circle facing in, holding hands. And what I've done is, it might be an amorphous circle because there's a lot less space up here than I realized. We've got to close the circle. So I'm going to ask them to illustrate our map of concentric circles. Basically, circles inside circles. So instead of this org chart with like multiple boxes and lines and layers and all this stuff and a bunch of names, I just want us to remember three circles this morning. And this group up here on stage, they're supposed to represent all of us, right? All of Crossbridge, whether you're old or young or from this demographic or that demographic, 
right? They're representing all of us. Now, if I was all powerful, then I could rip these bolted pews out and we could actually stand in a circle and worship together and that'd be kind of cool, but I can't. Uh, so this will have to do, right? And so the question now for maybe some of you this morning is, you know, I've, I've been hearing some of these messages. I've been thinking about this vision frame, the mission, the core values, all these fancy terms and whatever, right? I'm good with it. Where do I start? How do I get plugged in? And I would say that this first circle, this big circle is this. Come for worship. Right? This is the biggest circle. We all don't live in the same city or town, but we have chosen We have chosen to be part of the same church, to come here on Sunday, to to gather together, to worship, to commune together, and then to be sent out. And we gather together weekly on Sundays. Remember, it's not just about me. It's about us. And most importantly, it's about God. We gather not simply for the sake of gathering, but to glorify Him, to hear from Him. And I would say that this big circle, it's a good first step. Now, maybe some of you have been coming, and that's great. Maybe it's more one week here and another week there, and I would encourage you to come for worship every week, as Scripture calls us to do. Now, we know from that quote earlier that we learn in rows, but we grow in circles, right? And so Sunday, we're, we're kind of in rows here, and, and so this circle up here is not really realistic, And so we have to ask ourselves, well, how do we continue to grow in circles? Where does our map take us next? We come for worship, the next circle. We join a group. And so as this group splits off into smaller circles of six, seven, eight people, as they try to coordinate and talk to and communicate and find their people, they're trying to find their circle. Literally, it's kind of working, right? They're trying to increase those relational connections with one another that also helps with our scripture engagement, right? These are the groups where we serve together, where we learn together, where we hear from God and we pray together, where we have community together, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. So we come for worship. And then this middle circle, we join a group and and we call it this mid-circle because it's not the final step. Oftentimes, we might just be like, all right, came on Sundays, came on Fridays, came on Tuesdays, came on Saturdays, found a group, I'm good, right? But our map is there to show us there's a third circle, form a pod. So let me split them off as they find a pod of two or three people of the same gender, right? This is a place of where discipleship and accountability happens, And by pod, I don't mean COVID pod. I don't also necessarily mean the the, the pods where some some of our small groups, we split off into guys and girls pods, right, men's and women's, to share and to pray together. And, And that's great, right? But sometimes those pods can be as big as a group itself, right? And then all the time take, gets taken up. And we only meet in those pods maybe once a month or once in a while, right? But these pods, at least the, the way I'm using it, It's a place where discipleship happens, where accountability happens. These are two or three people, your inner circle, as you find your people here at Crossbridge, where discipleship happens, where imitation happens, where accountability happens. Maybe it's two people, right? An older brother in Christ and a younger brother in Christ. Maybe it's three women entering into a, a similar life stage together, 
together. And they want to, you know, read a, a book together or listen to a podcast and just catch up. Right? This is not just this once a week theme, but this is life together. These are the people who are going to call you out in love. These are the people, some of whom may, may be the ones that are going to be an example for you to follow. So maybe we don't call, need to call it a pod. We can come up with a, a better term but, uh, because this term is already kind of used in so many different ways. But we should be thinking of these smaller circles, the smallest circles, as a place not just to grow more but to go deep. I found one church calls these inner circles red zone relationships. For those of you who watch football, it's okay if you don't, but the red zone is like the last 20 yards before the team's about to score touchdown in the end zone. And one of the things about the red zone is that it can be difficult to score in. Right? That's why we always complain like, oh man, our team can't finish. They get so close and they can never score. And one of the things about the red zone is it's hard because there's not as much space, right? You can only run so far forward before you run out of bounds. You don't have as much room. And so these players are kind of forced to be close together. And these pods of two or three people, you can't just be a number in a crowd like the biggest circle. You can't just, you know, I'll just kind of duck in and then duck out or be on the edge or be in the back or be, no, no one's in the front, but... You know, and you can't just be one chair, right? You pull up a chair and just be a chair amongst like six, seven, eight, ten, twelve chairs and, and just attend but not engage and let the, the people who are the most talkative, the most extroverted, you know, do their thing. But here in these red zone relationships, there's only two or three of you. You, you kind of have to engage and participate or, I mean, you can all sit in silence, but that's, that's hard too, you know, for some of us. These relationships, they're the most hard for us, right? I'm sure some of these guys are kind of awkward because they haven't talked to some of these people before. So they're living it out right now. You know, many of us would be perfectly content just joining a group or just coming for worship. Or maybe just joining a group but not coming for worship. Or coming for worship but not just joining a group. But our map is there to show us there's one more circle for us to think about. If we want to grow more, if we want to go deep, let's form a pod. Let's find a, those two or three people in Crossbridge. Maybe, maybe it's more formal discipleship. Maybe it's informal. Maybe it's just catching up over lunch during your lunch break. These red zone relationships require humility and vulnerability and open-heartedness. And so our map has three concentric circles, right? Come for worship, join a group, form a pod. And as you can see, our volunteers, they've been standing here demonstrating that visually for us this morning. And they've moved from big circle to small circle. So there's this kind of like inward momentum or force drawing people in as we figure out what next steps there are. They're holding hands, they're facing each other. And I would say that oftentimes we look at that and we're like, that's community, right? Like, I want that. I want to find my people. I want that big circle. I want that small circle. That's what we want. But let me also propose this morning that that's only part of it. Because what if we were still in a circle? What if we still held hands, 
But what if we changed our posture right now so that we're facing out? I want you to picture this. And remember this. And these volunteers on stage, I want you to feel what it feels like as you face outward now. Because now these pods of two or three people, they're still together. They're still holding hands. They're still in community, but they're facing out now. What does that mean? What does that signify? These pods are, as they pour out, they pour out into the people around them, not just to each other but they're collaborating together to accomplish God's mission. And as they pour out, they pour out to the people around, they pour out into groups. And so as they combine again into these small groups of six, seven, eight people, still growing in a circle, still holding hands, still accomplishing God's mission together. Now these groups now, in our small groups, in our fellowships, pouring into people around us, also into the rest of the church, CBCGB and Crossbridge. Now as they combine into, again, this amorphous blob of this large circle. Yes. <laughs> now still holding hands. You know, this ought to be us. This ought to be us. Holding hands in community. Facing both inward sometimes when one of us is hurting, when one of us needs help, but also facing outwardly, being missional. This is community. And hopefully this is us. And so I want all of us to remember this picture of these circles of people, your, your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ up here on stage. Picture this every time, every time we come for worship, every time we, we join, we grow in a group, and every time we go deep in a pod. Thanks, guys. You can go down. Thank you. As we wrap up, we've covered a lot over the past two months. And I'm not expecting any of us to remember all these terms and every single new thing. There's not going to be a cahoot after this service. Although I could have asked one of, one of these guys to create something for us. But, you know, to some extent, this sermon series is a sermon series on our DNA. So we're simply calling it out. Not all of Some of it should be a new. Some of it should be aspirational. But some of it should be familiar. We're just putting a label on who is it that we are and what is it that we do so that hopefully it can be more accessible to others. And also so that we can be more accountable to each other, to living that out. Because clarity is important. And as we've constructed this vision frame with these four signs, one of the things you've noticed is that we never, we haven't even talked about this picture on the inside. Right? We've only been talking about this frame that kind of holds the thing together. We haven't talked about the actual vision. This idea of, well, this is our DNA, this is what we do, who we are, but we haven't talked about our direction. Where is God leading Crossbridge? And I'll share with you that that is something that you could be praying for us as our leadership teams are working on that for 2023 and beyond. As we discern, as we pray, as we figure out, you know, this is not where, where is Pastor Jeff leading Crossbridge? Where is Minister Pat leading Crossbridge? Where is Crossbridge Leadership Corps? This is, where is God, where is God taking us as a congregation? And so we'll get into that later. But for now, 
all of these different parts of the frame is to support and inform our mission, bridging cultures to build a family in Christ. Right? This is the one thing. We can do so many things. You guys are all super talented. Right? There's so many things that we can do, but what is the one thing that we together as Crossbridge are, must do as disciples of God, as we make disciples for God in his kingdom in our unique way? And may God give us the strength and the unity and the clarity to do that for his glory and his name. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give thanks to you for who you are first, that you are a God who is missional, who cares about your people, your creation. You've called us to join you in that. We thank you, God, for you have established your church. You have established this church, CBCGB, and you have established us, this congregation of Crossbridge. Help us to remember who we are in you, to live in light of that because of who you are and what you have done for us on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.